slowly wave. Championship can only be won by one. And it's going to in 2021. Right. 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 With the sixth pick in the draft, the Detroit Red Wings select from Mannheim of the DEL, Moritz Seider. And welcome back to this week's winners on 88.3 FM WXOU. My name is Benny, as always. So glad you've decided to join us on this Monday evening, a rainy, cold evening in Michigan at that. Follow me on Twitter at TWW Sports. Check out the website, TWWSports.com. Today, we are going to get us all caught up on the NHL and NBA push for the playoffs. A lot of interesting storylines leading in, especially in the NBA, but we'll get to that. We're going to kick things off with the NHL with six of my favorites to win the Cup, three from each conference. So first off, the second hottest team in the NHL since December. They've cooled off a little bit as of late. The Pittsburgh Penguins. They are 5-4-1 and one in their last 10 said they cooled off a little bit, but since December, they have been absolutely lights out. They're stocked up and ready for the playoffs. Evgeny Malkin returned about 38 games ago, I think now, and he has been an absolute cannon for them. They started the season without Crosby or Malkin, to be fair, and, uh, they didn't start too well, but I mean, obviously when you're missing two of, you know, two, the face of your franchise to start the season, I mean, uh, I kind of expected things to be a little bit rough to start off, but they regathered things in and since December, I mean, they have been absolutely lights out. I think that to no one's surprise too, they've had a lot of injury troubles and that's something that, you know, in the last couple of years, there, there's a reason they're among the top in the league in injuries per game played. You know, I mean, they've missed, they, they've had, you know, to pull up people from the AHL that I've never heard of. And then, of course, in Penguins fashion, they end up being lights out, you know. So uh, they're one of the best at scouting NCAA talent as well. I mean, Jake Gensel alone is enough to, to point you that, I'd never heard of this guy from North Dakota, and, and they they scout him, they bring him in, and he, you know, shatters all kinds of records for rookie scoring on their way to a Stanley Cup in 2017. So uh, he's been absolutely great. But also you look at guys like Brian Rust, who, you know, he's from Michigan, by the way. Uh, guys like Brian Rust, who have come – onto this team and have been instrumental. I mean, I would have never guessed a guy like Brian Rust, who, again, I'd never heard of pretty much in 2017, right? And now he's a, he's a household name. He's a, you know, he's become great. He's been great without Crosby, too. I mean, you could argue that some of his best games have been without Malkin or Crosby. So, but when Crosby is there, when their first line is Crosby between Gensel and Rust, Sid and the kids, they call it. I mean, that is just lights out. It's one of the best top lines uh, in the NHL. They work so well together. They have great chemistry. So it's a dangerous line. But I think that with this team healthy, you kind of get a glimpse of what they can do, you know. And everyone at the beginning of this year thought, you know, before the season even started, there's, this was the step back year for, for Pittsburgh. This is where they... They finally realized that, hey, 
this isn't sustainable. You know, we're we're going to have to tear it down and rebuild because, you know, they've been good for a very long time. I don't think people realize just how, you know, they have they're getting close to the playoff streak that the Red Wings hold. You know, they, they, they've had probably, oh, man, more than 15 straight years in the playoffs for sure. You know, so this is a team that is always right there, is always consistent. And then after winning back to back cups in 16 and 17, they lose to Washington in 18 and Washington goes on to win their first cup. Uh, and in 2019, a uh, very rough year for them as they get swept by the Islanders, you know, and then not much luck since then. So this was a year where I think most people thought that it's pretty much over, you know, maybe they're going to end up trading Malkin even, you know, Latang might even be gone. But of course, in Pittsburgh fashion, you know, they, you know, in December, they picked it up. They became the class of the league. And you, it's, you can't bet against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Chris Letang, this core is too good to bet against them. They are aging, yes, and their time will come for them to eventually falter. But uh, that was not this year. They go out at the trade deadline. They acquire Ricard Raquel and Nathan Nathan Beaulieu. Beaulieu is going to be out, I think, probably until the playoffs, if he even returns to the playoffs. But, you know, for a seventh-round pick, I don't think they're too worried about it. And then you've got Ricard Raquel, who slides right in there on the second line with Evgeny Malkin now. And it's great. I mean, it is great to have him. That's That's a piece that you were missing. That was some speed you were missing on the wing of the top six, you know, that he is perfect for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's going to be a playoff performer once they get there, because they will get there, obviously. I think this team would have loved to get more out of uh, Kasperi Kapanen. He uh, hasn't been quite as good as I, I think they would have wished. But, uh, you know, and, and it's proof of that is the fact that he's playing on the third line. I think really what they would like is a line with Malkin, Raquel, and Kapanen, because that would just be an unstoppable line. But Kapanen really, really does not deserve a spot in that top six right now. He has not played well enough all season to to be up there. So, you know, and on that third line with him, though, is Evan Rodriguez. And with Malkin gone, Rodriguez played that second line center. And I was like, who even is that? Is, isn't that that guy from Buffalo? And he, you would have thought that he was Malkin while he was replacing him. I mean, Evan Rodriguez comes out of nowhere and he, he's been lights out. He's He's been one of the Penguins' best players this year. And now he's on their third line now that Malkin's back. That is depth scoring right there. This is exactly what you expect from this Penguins team. The Penguins teams that won championships are teams that are just super, super deep teams that, you know, their third line would, you know, is just a gritty line that you look at and you're like, man, that would be a top six line on other teams. And for sure. I mean, it's great. And then you have Teddy Bluger back from injury to be on that line with them on that third line. Uh, unfortunately, Jason Zucker is now injured. I got injured a couple games ago and uh, uncertain if he'll be back uh, before the playoffs start, but having him for the playoffs will obviously help good right-handed shot there. This is a team that has played every game on edge. They play a very playoff-esque style every single game. Every single game, they're a, a gutty team that grinds out everything. You know, they contest every puck. They forecheck as hard as they can every play. You always get the best form of them. They are a very elite team right now. They get contributions from all over. I mean, Danton Heinen on the fourth line. Brian Boyle, they brought in on a, on a PTO. And he's just been great. I mean, he's been a great fourth line center for them. So their power play when Evgeny Malkin's in the lineup is unstoppable. You might as well, I mean... The Red Wings game where they, where he scored a hat trick is proof enough for us Michiganders that when he's in the lineup, their power plays red hot. They have the second best penalty kill in the league too, so their special teams are amazing. Their defense with Dumoulin, Latang, Marino as a defensive core are very good. So for me, right now, I just 
this team reminds me so much of the way they were in 2017 when they won the cup. This is my number one pick for the cup right now. I know there are teams that have had better regular seasons than them, but this is my pick for the Stanley Cup. In a seven-game series, you do not want to play the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. Of course, though, on the other side of things, in the Western Conference, there are the Colorado Avalanche, and this is a team that you can't stop them right now. They're 8-1-1 in their last 10 games, and I'd say they've been the hottest team since December, which is true, but I think they've just been the hottest team all year. Coming into the year, I mean, the first week or two was kind of like, oh, wow, what's happening here? And then they turned it on really in December. But I knew this was a team that was just going to be great because they have an image to get over that hump. You know, they have choked in the playoffs the past couple of years since their contention window really opened with Nathan McKinnon and and Ranton and, and Landis Gog. You know, this is a team that you look at and you say they have every piece that's there. The only thing missing is to just go and do it. And the door is still very wide open. I've heard a lot of people say this is Colorado's year. And I really do hope it is because if you lose this year, you start to question. You start to question everything because you have to. You you genuinely have to start questioning what the core is if you cannot make it past the second round of the playoffs. So it, it's going to be a tough battle for them. But, you know, Nathan McKinnon and Rantanen holding down the fort while Landeskog is gone and he's – out at least until the start of the playoffs with a knee surgery. McKinnon's got 22 goals and 50 points for 72 or uh, and 50 assists for 72 points rather in 53 games. Rantanen, of course, has 82 points, 35 of those goals. They picked up Nico Sturm from the Minnesota Wild, and Josh Manson was the bigger trade they got from the Anaheim Ducks. And Manson slides in very, very nicely on that defense that already has a top line of Devon Tays and Kale McCarr. So this is a team that I think has a high-powered offense and a, a very stout defense. And that's not even men- mentioning the fact that Darcy Kemper, who I did not think was going to have a great year with Colorado, has been lights out. He has a 9.25 save percentage, 2.37 goals against average, and he is 32-9-3 in his appearances as the starting goaltender. So, you know, even with key pieces missing, you know, they just lost Nazem Kadri the other night with an injury. Uh, Landis has been gone for a while, right? This is a team that has all-around depth. I mean, their, their first line can score buckets on you, and their third line can score buckets on you. This is such a, such a good team. You know, I... I'm a big fan of Colorado, and there's not a whole lot to be said about them that hasn't been said. They have full depth. They really haven't been a hair out of line lately. I mean, like I said, they're 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. So especially if they are healthy at the start of the playoffs, they are an absolute lock for the West in my eyes. I, I think with those two first teams I mentioned, we are going to see a Pittsburgh Penguins versus Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup Finals, but I think Pittsburgh will beat them in a seven-game series, but I also really want to see Nathan McKinnon versus Sidney Crosby in the Cup Finals. I think that would be a long-awaited, you know, matchup that just would be so cool. So, so cool. With that said, though, there are teams that are trying to prove me wrong. And with that, the New York Rangers, who have been all right, recently, but really hit their stride in in November, December, January. But with Gerard Gallant as their head coach, they have had a new culture shift. They've had full success in everything that they do. And it's a very different approach to things, you know, so six, three and one in their last 10. And they play a style of play that I'd say leans more on the defensive style of, of things. I mean, you have one of the best defensemen in the league in Adam Fox on your team. You have Jacob Truba and Lindgren, who have been very solid core pieces to that defense. And then on top of that, you've had the third best power play in the league for a while now. You know, a top three power play, you put them on the power play, and you have pieces like Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, Adam Fox, that are just looking to bury one on you. One of the biggest pieces this year for the Rangers, though, has by far been Igor Shesterkin. 
and he has been an absolute menace to the league. A 9-3-3 save percentage, 2.14 goals against average, 32-10 in his 42 starts. So you look at this team on paper, and you just look at their players without looking at what their stats are, you know, just based on what you've heard of the players in the past years. They're nothing special on paper. They really aren't. But then you look at the fact that Chris Kreider is enjoying, you know, the best year of his career, and he's battling for the Rocket Richard Trophy for most goals in the year. You look at Zibanejad having a very good year. Artemi Panarin is not the goal-scoring machine this year because he hasn't had to be, right? But he's had 63 assists. He's got 19 goals, 63 assists for 82 points in 65 games. He has been a playmaking machine this year. He has not been shooting as most goaltenders expect him to. But when he does shoot, I mean, it has a good chance to go in the net. He is such a talented player. All the way back to his Blackhawks days, I've known that Artemi Panarin has been, you know, a very special player. But you add him to this New York Rangers team here, and you have a top six that is very, very good and can match up against almost any team. And then you have one of the league's best core defenses. And then you just add Frank or Frank Vetrano to the team from Florida, and he slots right in on the top line. And <laughs> I don't think it's mentioned enough that Florida right now is so good that, you know, you take players that were playing in their middle six off that team, you take players from their third line, and they've just become top-line performers anywhere else. Florida has such good talent right now. I mean, Frank Vetrano leaves their team is immediately a first line, you know, at least top six impact on the Rangers. Uh, you look at Trocek when he left for the Carolina Hurricanes, he's been great. So, I mean, uh, they just, Florida is a, a gold mine for other people, I guess. But uh, I, I will say, obviously, Florida's a good team in the East, though they're not on this list for me, surprisingly. But anyway, the Rangers are second in the Metro to the Carolina Hurricanes. And I just don't think people realize just how legit this team is right now. Uh, I think that people are still in the mindset that they're in that retool. Remember, they were terrible. They were terrible, terrible, terrible for, you know, a couple of years ago where, you know, they they won the draft lottery and got Alexis Lafreniere. You know, they got Capo Caco. You know, they were finishing dead last in the league. They weren't good. And then they get Alexis Lafreniere. They get Capo Caco, who are two very hyped up players in their drafts, right? But they have not really done anything. Alexis Lafreniere is not performing at all what you expected. Like he's, he's a third liner at best, you know, right now. And everyone expected him to be the next Sidney Crosby, especially because he came from uh, the same team as Crosby in the minors or in the juniors rather. And then you got, uh, Kako, who really hasn't made a difference on this team at all, and people thought he might get traded, and he's on injury reserve and hasn't played very many games. So without those two players who we thought were going to be the new face of that franchise, it's completely irrelevant because you have Chris Kreider, you know, Zibanejad, Panarin, just stepping up and being great players. So uh, I'm very, very impressed with uh, how Gerard Gallant has reeled in this team and got them to a point where – you know, this, they're playoff contenders, but uh, I think that the best thing they have right now is despite their place in the standings, they're still being underestimated. So I think that they have a lot going for them. <coughs> Back over to the West though, another very hot team. In fact, so hot, they have not lost in their last 10 games. The Minnesota wild are nine Oh and one in their last 10. And they're very, very hot going into the playoffs. Uh, I think that Dina Vason has done a great job since taking over this team as the head coach. And they they finally have an identity. The one thing that I've always said about the Minnesota Wild is they're just there. It's called the state of hockey, but they, you know, in years past, they're just that team that's just kind of there. You know, you, you can't sit there and say, yeah, they're, you know, they might do something, you know, they, they, they might make the playoffs, but they're not doing anything in the playoffs, you know. It's always been like that. But this year, they have an identity. They are very, very hard to play against. You know, a lot of that is, you know, because they were able to bring back 
Kirill Kaprizov. And I think a lot of people forget how close this team was to losing Kaprizov at the beginning of the season and having him leave the league completely. And that would have been a travesty. I mean, he is coming into his own as a complete player. He's got 39 goals, 46 assists for 85 points. He can pass so well. He can shoot so well. He is becoming a complete, complete player. I mean, he's only 24 years old, I think. He's still so young, it would be a shame to lose him to another league. And then you look at the Wild, too. I mean, they have a gritty defense with Jonas Brodeen, Matt Dumba, and, and we we learned that Matt Dumba's a little bit of a, a you know, a, a pest when he played the Wings not too long ago and bashed Raymond's head against the ice. And not too fond of, of that play, but, I mean, they have a gritty in-your-face defense. Captain Jared Spurgeon's solid. You've got Matt Zuccarello and Ryan Hartman who are having, you know, top years for them. And that's without mentioning that at the trade deadline, they went and they brought in Marc-Andre Fleury. And no matter what you say, Marc-Andre Fleury is still one of the top goaltenders in the league. You know, he got, you know, sailed off to Chicago for, you know, pennies in a terrible trade from Vegas that was just kind of heartless, in my opinion. He gets shipped off to a terrible franchise in, in Chicago and isn't really even able to do anything there because they had a shell of a defense that just wasn't very good. They didn't have any offensive scoring this year, and they were getting shelled most games. But he got saved from Chicago and traded to Minnesota, where in his three appearances so, so far, he has a 9.58 save percentage. He has been absolutely lights out. He has under two goals allowed in all of his games. I mean, this is the West's version of the New York Rangers, and that's why they're on here, because they are silently underrated. People aren't talking enough about the Minnesota Wild and what they have been able to do this year with a team that, on paper again, is not all that special. Matt Zuccarello, uh, yeah, Matt Zuccarello has had a great year. And I, I just think that this is a team that, in the playoffs, they're going to be able to play that hard nose, you know, gutting out one goal wins, you know, in a seven-game series. They're going to be good. So they are not, again, they're not a team you want to play in the playoffs, especially with Flurry between the pipes now. And on the Eastern side of things, I had to add them because I've had a great feeling about them all season long, is the Carolina Hurricanes. They have been sliding in their last 10 games. Don't get me wrong. They're 4-3-3, three, and three, which is still, you know, positive. They're, they're still a great team, and they've been playing some very, very harsh opponents, and including two games recently against the Wild that I watched where, you know, they, it seemed like they were outplaying the Wild, but the Wild were able to gut out a hard-nosed win. So uh, they're having an elite season. You know, from start to finish, the Hurricanes have been great this year. And that's even with, you know, I mentioned earlier in the season that, you know, they didn't bring back Hamilton, which was a shock. You know, they traded for Freddie Anderson, who was, you know, quite frankly, not very good in Toronto. You know, they made these moves that we were like, what are you doing? You made your team worse. And, you know, that's why most of us, you know, all of us pretty much aren't paid as NHL general managers. You know, they know. You know, most of them have a way of knowing, especially when you're making a good team. They're first in the Metro right now, four points up on the Rangers. They're second in the East altogether, second only to the Florida Panthers. They added Max Domi from the Columbus Blue Jackets at the trade deadline. Their top six is an absolute force right now. You have your first line center of Sebastian Ajo, who is just a great player. I mean, if, if you really want to get into hockey and watch some, you know, highly skilled plays just look up some Sebastian Ajo highlights you know he he's one of those players that isn't talked about nearly enough because he's an elite elite center he is so good and so fun to watch you know he doesn't have the flash that teammate you know Andrei Shvezhnikov has but he's just solid bunkered down you know great on both sides of the ice he's a great playmaker he's a great shooter he's got 31 goals 38 assists for 69 
points, a pretty nice sum. And then Andrei Shveshnikov has 27 goals, 33 assists for 60 points. You know, And that's not mentioning they have a great defense. I mean, they have a very, very good defense. They've got Jacob Slavin, Tony D'Angelo, who was shipped out of the Rangers because of off-ice problems. You know, Brady Shea and, and Pesci, who have just been great, great, great on defense. And, and you know, they got Brendan Smith, too. That's usually a bottom pairing defenseman, and he's pretty good at that. You know, they have a great defense. Their top six is a force. Their third line is, you know, a very gritty battling third line. Fourth line, same deal there. You know, and, and when you have a coach like Rob Brindamore as your coach, you know you're going to get the best out of them every night because that's a coach that demands the best out of every player because he's not afraid to, you know, sit you, demote you through the lineup. You know, he's a very intense, intense head coach that you know when you're playing in front of him, he does not want you to make mistakes. And on top of that is the addition this year of Freddie Anderson, who has been nothing short of elite. I mean, <laughs> he's got to be in the Vesna conversation this year. A 9-2-8 save percentage, 2.03 goals against average, 33-11. and 11 in his 44 starts. So he's just been lights out. They haven't had the best uh, backup goaltending this year. They, you know, whenever they have, uh, who is it? Anti Ranta, I think maybe uh, backing them up. Uh, they haven't had the best uh, showings, but you know, in front of Freddie Anderson, this team plays very complete. It's a team that if you told me, you know, and, and they were my pick to win the playoffs earlier in the year. So, I think they could win the cup this year. And I don't think that if you sat here and told me that Carolina was your favorite to win the cup right now, I don't think I'd say you're wrong because they have a very complete team, but they just need to put it all together. And the sixth team and the third one from the West that I have on here, I have an odd feeling about them. So, the Calgary Flames, who are 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10 games. You know, they they were on fire earlier in the season, no pun intended. You know, they, they had a good start, you know, lately. They, they haven't been quite as, you know, consistent. But they added Tyler Toffoli ahead of the year, and he's been great for them. And Matthew Kachuk is, you know, taking a, a break from being a pest finally to have an 84-point season. 52 of those have been assists, 32 goals. You know, they have a high-powered top six, but the depth falls a little bit. But there is one reason that that does not matter a whole lot with Calgary. And that's the fact that Johnny Goudreau, you know, at Boston College, they used to call him Johnny Hockey. And he was so good, even the first couple of years he was here with the Flames, but he had been terrible. You know, well, just not very good, I guess, for the last couple of years. But he de decided to turn the clock back because he's had a 92-point season to this state. 32 goals, 60 assists. He has been absolutely phenomenal this year. A and for that reason, I, I just see Calgary as being a team that you got to watch. In a seven-game series with Johnny Goudreau in it, you know, he's been that elusive goal scorer that we knew he could be black or Blake Coleman is a solid third liner. So is uh, Dylan Dubé, who they have slotting in on the third line. Uh, their defense has beaten all expectations for them. I mean, I knew Noah Hannafin was pretty good and I knew Rasmus Anderson was okay, but they've been a very good top pairing defenseman. So I have no doubt that this is a team that you should watch out for. Michael Stone, Brandon Tanev have been great on defense. And that, you know, Nikita Zadorov and Eric Gubranson are no slouches either as bottom pairing defensemen. So, you know, and, and I was on the boat where they added Jacob Markstrom, where I really didn't think they were going to be all that good. But they have been. They've been very solid. They've been getting great goaltending out of them with a 9-2-4 save percentage, 2.19 goals against 31 and 14 out of them. Do not count them out in the West because 
while everyone's looking at Toronto again this year to be the one team out of Canada that could do something in the playoffs, I think Calgary has a better chance of winning the Cup than Toronto does. Because I think they, they certainly have an easier route to it because they've been, you know, the class of the West for a lot of this year. And, you know, Toronto, do you really think they're going to be able to beat Florida, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Carolina? I don't know. You know, but for Calgary, I, I think they have a good chance of beating, you know, even Minnesota, you know, even be beating these teams, L.A., I, you know, the Knights, if the Knights get into the playoffs, I don't think they've been that great. I think the the West has been a little weaker this year. So I think Calgary is absolutely a team to watch. And a lot of that is, like I said, Johnny Goudreau turning the clock back. So on the other side of things now, the NBA. And once again, welcome back to the show, Will. Uh, no NFL this week for once. Usually, uh, we're, we're catching up on, on NFL, but I mean, we, we pretty much got that wrapped and sealed for free agency. So, uh, yeah. you know, until the draft now, pretty much NFL's out the window, but the NBA is just, you know, games away from the playoffs now. So I figured, uh, we'd talk a little bit about that because we've seen some surprises this year that I don't think people were expecting, uh, the heat. In, in general, I mean, we might as well start off with them leading the entire East right now. They weren't good last year, and, and here they are, you know, leading the East. So uh, I'm very impressed with what they've been able to do. Kyle Lowry's been good. Uh, Bam uh, Adebayo has been great, usually averaging around 20 points a game, I'd say. And, and you know, when, when they're healthy and they have P.J. Tucker and, and Jimmy Butler, you know, they, they're a very solid all-around team this season. So what do you think are the odds that they go from, you know, nobody's last year to winning the championship this year? Uh, they have a good chance. It really depends on, um, that they're, that they're going to be fully healthy because I think the year prior, they didn't, they had a short span of getting ready for, for the regular season because, you know, the pandemic shut, well, actually the year before that, I mean, the, the, the pandemic shut down and then they had to get ready for that for the uh, next season. They would just got it done by the end of August. And then I believe then the regular season started around uh, December, around uh, the holidays. So, and then that really factored into it. And then that's how they, you know, got bounced out by the, uh, the Bucks in the first round, so it was unfortunate they got swept, so it was unfortunate that this year, they finally got another weapon in Lowry, and they picked up a Jay Crowder type guy, like Draymond type guy, and a P.J. Tucker right. that gives you the, some shots outside the arc, and also defend the perimeter as well, and also P.J. Tucker was one of the guys that helped, was part of that uh, Milwaukee Bucks championship team that helped they win a championship because his, uh, you know, clutch defense versus like a Devin Booker, a Chris Paul, Camp Johnson, and others. So I feel like with this year, it's going to be a good one because right now it's a tight race. I remember it was like one game and now two games. And I believe there's only two games left or two or four. Actually, I think four games left because it's going to end around the 14th, 14th probably <laughs> next week. So – it's, it's going to be a tight race, though, but I think the Heat could possibly do it. I know next they're going to be versus the Hornets. They just beat, you know, they beat the Raptors, and then before they, you know, they beat the Cavs. And and they also, you know, turn around, though it was like, you know, a, a bottom team like the Kings, like still a win's a win. You need to get win any chance you get. So they was had some – some skits, you know, some close losses to like the Warriors with no Curry, you know, Draymond or Clay, you know, other town lives like the New York Knicks. So I think that he has a good chance this year, as long as they stay healthy, be consistent. Jimmy Butler, be the old Jimmy Butler like he was during the bubble, and I think that he would be just fine. I, I agree, and, and again, it, it's it's weird to see them up in first, but it's even weirder, I think, to me to see Boston in second in the East because. Uh, they weren't doing a whole lot. You know, it was hard for them to string together competitive games even 
last year, the year before. And now, I mean, they're, they're right there. I mean, they, they've got, you know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They've been great. And Jason Tatum's just been phenomenal for them. You know, he's, he's shooting at a higher percentage than I think he really has been in his whole career. He's averaging almost 30 points a game too. It's, it's crazy. He's been great from, you know, three points too. you know, probably the best on his team. And I think for Boston, the important thing is, you know, that they have those pieces finally. And Jason Tatum's being, you know, so great for them. And in the East, in the battle for the East, they just weren't a team that I was expecting to be this good, you know. And obviously, as I said, things just weren't as expected because there's teams that we thought were going to be great who just haven't been. So uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with the Celtics. You know, the Bucks, 76ers as well. I, I mean, the 76ers and the Bucks don't really have to change the formula too much. The Bucks really have kept the same team. Obviously, P.J. Tucker is an you know, exception to that. But they're a team you look at, and they're still a team that is championship-ready again this year. They're missing a couple of pieces, but they've been solid right there. But for the 76ers, they're another team I want to stop and touch on here. They got James Harden now, so he adds to an already stout team. They have Joel Embiid, who has been phenomenal this year, and then they have Tobias Harris, who has kind of had a silent rise this year with those two. So the 76ers are fourth in the East right now. Do you think that this is a team that is capable of beating the Bucks, the Celtics, or the Heat in a playoff series? So for the Sixers, I feel like with the Sixers, it's going to be something because I remember, uh, I remember they lost to, you know, the hometown Pistons. I know, I know you're happy, Brandon, about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, I remember Doc Rivers threw James Harden under the bus that you know he can't, you know, that he balled off, he hauled the ball too much. Well, you kind of expect that with James Harden because mm-hmm. he always wants the offense to flow through him. I don't think he's mostly like, I'll just wait there and just give you the ball if you just be a stand-up shooter. I think he wants to be the guy that. You know, makes decisions if he wants to pass, right. to pass, assist that, or or just do his, you know, signature step back when he's almost like travels and stuff like that. So he basically like Westbrook, except that, that he can shoot both out the athletic ability like Westbrook. So, like, with James Harden is what you expect with that. And then also with Embiid, I think they can work together because they just, you know, they just uh, recently clinched a playoff berth with a win. I forgot the tee last night, but another clinch to win. And now now I just think that it's just that, you know, the pieces and stuff, I know they lost some, like, other key, like, depth pieces like Curry and Drummond. And, but they still got, you know, Thibault, who's a good 3 and D player. And also they got, you know, Maxi, he's a young, good young player. So I feel like, you know, as long as they produce – and also, you know, Tobias here also, I know he has some sort of some slump sometimes, but sometimes he's all when he's on. And I feel like if they was produced with Harden and and B also producing like they are, especially in B, I remember in, in January he had a streak of like 40-plus games. He, he was just scoring. I remember he had 25-point game. He's like the – He's like the second guy since Allen Iverson to do it. So, you tell me, I think as long as they all produce well, the, those star players and also the bench, I just think the Sixers are capable of, you know, competing against the top teams, like you said. I, I think so. I, I mean, Embiid and Harden is a much better dynamic than, you know, Harding, Irving, and, uh, oh, man. Was the third one? Why am I drawing a blank? No, the the uh, third one on the, where, that he was with on the Brooklyn. Uh, you mean the guy that got traded? No, that because it was the big three there. Oh uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was KD, Kyrie, well, James Durant, Durant, Durant. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Uh, oh my okay, gosh, that's, that's, what I was, that's yeah, drawing a blank on him for some reason. But I think it's a better dynamic because you yeah. said something there where 
Harden wants the ball to go through him, right? Yeah. He wants to be the catalyst of the offense. And when you have a team with that big three, I mean, when you had all three of them playing, they never lost a game, right? But you didn't ever, right? And But then you had these power struggles where Irving wanted the ball to go through him. Durant wanted the ball to go through him, but Harden wanted the ball to go through them. So this dynamic, you know, kind of became a little annoying when they all had their times of where they were the only star playing and the offense was going through them, you know? And then when you, you add the other one into the fold, they still want the offense going through them. And it was never really the Cinderella dynamic they thought it was going to be. It was not ever what I think Brooklyn wanted out of it. And that's why we saw, you know, the trade that, yeah. that you know, that sent Harden for Simmons. And uh, with this now, you know, Embiid, has just been great, right? I mean, Embiid's great from three. He's great from the field. He's He is fantastic. And you add Harden to that, who honestly is just a clutch player. So I, I have no doubt in my mind that this is a team that can stand up to the best teams in the East. So, yeah. And then one last team I want to touch on in the East is, is Brooklyn. So they are limping into this play-in tournament, right? Yeah. And they have not been good. I mean, they've been battling injuries, obviously, still. I mean, they, they Irving's just never healthy, it seems. And they're limping in to the play-in tournament, 5-5 five and five in their last 10. This is a team that you expected to be top four in the East at the beginning of the season, and they're 10th. They are 10th. And they, I mean, I don't think there's really any chance they're not going to make the play-in tournament, but they've been terrible. Yeah. It's sort of like similar to how the Lakers are feeling right now. <laughs> I know I'm also a Laker fan too, a Dayton fan. But yeah, they're feeling the same way. I just feel like with the Nets, I think it's you know Kyrie. You know there was the vaccination stuff that's going on with him. Like now New York, New York letting him play the home games as well, and also I guess other states probably gonna let him also play as well with their mandate to lift it for non-vaccinated people. And also, KD's battling through injuries a lot. Like, Sim is not going to play uh, because the, the herniated disc he's still recovering from. But they still got – and also, they lost a, a key piece like Joe Harris. They lost him for the season. He was basically a guy that been with the Nets during the uh, low days before Durant and right. Kyrie right. came along. And he was always a reliable shooter, well, except that time in the playoffs. Yep. <laughs> yeah, when he was like – basically below, I believe, 30% or 30% or below in three-point shooting, which is abysmal. So I feel like with the net, Nets, it's, I think it's all about trying to, I guess, trying to reach at least the playoffs because I believe they're at eight. And I think you say is that they're at 10 now. Right. So it's like they're still in there, but they got to, like, keep their – and try to not get out of the 11th spot. And they just got to, like, try to – at least, at least KD and Kyrie, you know, do their ways and also, you know, do the shooting. Also, basically, I know they're also great shooters, but I know they also got to, like, do other aspects to it, like probably be leaders and also uh, be good playmakers because I know with leadership is Kyrie's downfall because, you know, the late, you know, you can't really win Kyrie being the number one uh, guy. And with KD is mostly, I think, is facilitating because I think he's just so a dominant scorer. Sometimes he feel like passing is not really what he wants to do. Sometimes mm-hmm. so he he wants to be the guy to take over games. But you've got guys like like Seth Curry from the trade, and also you got guys that that their rookie they have Cam Thomas. So they have like a bunch of like guy young guys that could probably score and help the team. It's just that they got to get them involved. And also at times make the shots that matter for the team and try to, you know, win and try to reach the finals. Yeah. Uh, it's a dangerous spot for them to be in, to be in the plan because honestly, I don't even know if I see them making it out of the plan if they, even if they make it. So yeah, it, it's tough, but in, in the West though, you want to know a team that has surprised me. First of all, I mean, back in January, I said I could see the Suns versus Bucks in the finals. Happy to see the dream still alive because Bucks are very good in the East. Suns are top of the West right now. So uh, I, I could see it happening, but it it, it probably won't. I'm going to be honest. There, there are a lot of good teams, and the odds of both of them making it through these teams that have emerged this year are sliding by the wayside. So I don't know if I quite see that happening again, but I think it would be cool. I know. I got 
I got Grizzlies to eat the final. Uh, that's what I was gonna say. Is is right here. The Grizzlies have been great this year, and I I'm impressed because last year they were just a, a you know barely middle of the pack if you could consider them that. But I knew Jaw was great at the time. That he, you know, but the big problem right now, I'm sure you know what it is. Is he's injured. John Warren is injured right now, and he, he's yeah. missed a couple of games. And with him gone, they they're kind of terrified, but it hasn't slowed them down. They're nine and one in their last ten. They're on a winning streak of seven right now. Yeah. Like they don't have a worry in the world because once he gets back, it's like nothing changed because it's not like he got injured and everything collapsed. And that's what I was worried about with this team is that if they're missing Jock, can they keep it up? Well, they you know I think they can. I think they can. They haven't played a lot of games without him. Don't get me wrong. But without him, I think they can. He's nearing a return to, you know, <laughs> right now for Memphis, most of their starting five is injured. So, and they're not slowing down. You know, a lot of them are playing through injuries, you know, but they aren't slowing down. That's the biggest thing. So Memphis is a team that if they, once they clench, which I think they have now, sit everyone. Sit all of them. Like, give them the rest. I, I swear. Like, I know they want to keep, you know, the two seed. They, that's pretty important, right? Yeah. But they've gotten contributions from all over the lineup right now. I think a very important thing for them is, at least for Ja, just get healthy. You know, don't you don't have to, like, not play him at all, right? You can play him just scar- scarcely some nights, you know, make sure you get, can get the win in the bag. But once a win is unlocked, you know, unlocked, you got some. I mean, you've got to right now. Yeah. They, they're struggling to get healthy. So Yeah, you should might as well just sit him, let let guys like Desmond Bain take over for your team and just let let Morant sit, let him rest. So Because when the playoffs come, then you make, you're basically got the playing tournament. So you have right. more other weeks to rest until the actual tournament arrives. So I just think that, this is gonna be important for let let the uh, other guys like like what I said with Desmond Bain, the other guys like if Jaron Jackson comes, I'm not sure about his status. I think he's injured or maybe coming back. But also like let those guys, you know, uh, you know, take the load and try to you know keep that second seed because I think like so far, like what you said nine and one they're gonna be gonna be good without without Morant anyways until the uh, playoffs come. So it's gonna be a good idea rest. Be rejuvenated stuff, and then Morant's gonna be the same MVP type guy for them in the playoffs. Yeah, I, they're they're a surprise. Uh, it's nice to see the Warriors up there again. I kind of knew that this would be a, a bounce back year for them, uh, but I kind of question their merit when the playoff comes. But I want to talk quickly about the Mavericks, who are in fourth in the West right now, and that is a little bit of a surprise to me because you look at that team, you look up and down that roster, and it's not all that, you know, great, for lack of a better word. But then you look at Luka Doncic, and he is the only reason this team is relevant right now. Uh I mean, he averages over 30 points a game. You know, Brunson and Finley Smith have been a solid, you know, part of it, but it's not even close to the production that Doncic has had. So, you know, it's it's that situation I was talking about with Memphis, right? Like, if Jaw got injured, I'd be worried. If Doncic got injured... This team would collapse. It would yeah. sink like the Titanic. It, it, no one on this team averages nearly as much as Doncic, and he has carried them to a point where they're going to make the playoffs. And if yeah. he's healthy, they could win a round or two. So I, I'm impressed that they're where they're at. But this is a team that I kind of look at, and I almost feel like they're posers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just feel like with the Mavericks, I feel like you got Luca. I remember when they traded Porzingis, which he was he was inconsistent, also injured at times. So they just traded him for, I guess not not like most most values that Porzingis was because Porzingis not really the same player like he was in New York. So I just think with the additions of you know Bart David Barton and also Spencer Dinwiddie, and then like you said, you said with well, uh, Finney Smith and also. Uh, a guy named Bronson, I believe his name is, that point guard they have. I feel like with those guys, like, those guys are, like, pretty good. I thought Bronson probably, to my honest opinion, is probably the second best. But Spitz-Dilworthy probably turned out the second best as well. So, they're, like, they're like pretty good players, solid players. But not really on Luka's level. 
I just, the only thing I feel like for them, I did, I remember I did an article about, I guess, top five teams that I got that chance to win the title. And I had five, I put uh, the Mavericks just because, like, basically, if you took Luka out of there, then they're basically just a okay team that probably gets some wins left and right, but not consistently. Like, I feel like Luka nowadays, he feel important, and it kind of sucks that he's not in the MVP race right now because of how yeah. well he's performing. Because it's like the same thing with Jokic. Just like if you take Luka out of there, it's like it's just a team that's not going to reach the playoffs. So Luka is – that's how valuable Luka is, and I just believe that with the Mavericks, I just don't see them going all the way just because they don't have that code superstar that probably – Near Luca or close to Luca's level mm-hmm. around the Mavericks, which they probably could get in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, if they add someone in the offseason to, you know, coexist there with Luca, I mean, this is that's a team that, you know, then looks more like the 76ers with the Harden Embiid, you know, look. And, and Doncic's a guy that when's he not healthy? You know, he's all he plays so many games, he's so consistent. So they have a great player in him. But like you said, I mean, they just don't have I don't think they have all-around talent this year to go all the way, but it's nice to see them up there. You know, nice for Dallas, you know, to to have a, a team like that that, you know, will hopefully perform in the playoffs because across their other sports, it doesn't look like they're going to get that. So, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will say well, one last thing, too. I mean, next week I kind of want to talk about the, the play-in tournament itself because it'll be uh, close to starting right yeah i yeah. mean it's like the 14th through 16th i think is the play-in tournament so. yeah it's gonna be like i believe just one game versus you know two seasons. right yeah it's so it's like the the seventh eighth ninth and tenth like yeah. seventh seventh place eighth and ninth place tenth the winner of seventh and eighth game is just the seventh seed yeah and they they go on the way and then the loser of that game plays against the winner of the ninth and tenth game to decide the eighth seed uh-huh. and uh I think that's weird. I, I just think there shouldn't be a play-in tournament, honestly. I, uh, whatever uh, it, it is. But, I mean, you can see some upsets. Yeah. Regardless, uh, the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th seeds uh, are kind of just there for show anyway in the NBA. I mean, they're, uh, I don't – it's not like other sports where you can see, you know, uh, the you know, those 7th and 8th seeds go all the way most of the time. Yeah. But, you know, you know, like in, in Brooklyn's case, it kind of helps them because maybe they can – squeeze into seventh or eighth seed because of it but yeah it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough for them well that is gonna be it for this one everybody if you liked it tune in next week follow me on twitter at tww sports if you missed any of today's episode check out the website twwsports.com to see all the previous episodes Next week, we'll get you caught up on the playing tournament in the NBA and a lot more, I am sure. So we will see you next week. You've been listening to this week's winners on 88.3 FM, WXOU.